somewhere along the way I became, you know, just, I just would overreact to things. I think initially it was in response to things that were going on in the group homes. I wasn't able to, like, turn it off. I started being that way just normally. I would just overreact to minor things. I would get into fights. Even after I was a lawyer, I remember getting into a fight off of the Major Deegan at a gas station, and I was in a suit, and I got into like a fist fight. Okay, super excited season three of Outline of a Murder, and I was about to say True Crime Garage. <laughs> I can't believe it's been three seasons. Yeah, already. so we're third year, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited. So let's go ahead and introduce ourselves for everybody. So we'll start with you. Hi, I'm Elena, the sister, the the daughter. And in charge of the drinks this year? Yes, I'm the I'm the bartender. <laughs> yes. So excited. I'm mom. That's yes. Oh no. And here's the thing about mom. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. She knows true crime so well that first time serial killers call her for tips. <laughs> <laughs> now that was a good one. Not like your usual. Oh. Whatever. That was cute. And I am Sherry, and this is Outline of a Murder. And so speaking of drinks, so before we get into our first case, um, what is the name of this one, Elena? It is Sherry. Uh, I don't have a name for it, but (laughs) nor did I pay attention to the recipe name. I just know that it is a fall bubbly with apple cider and cinnamon sticks. Okay. All right. So it's time for the taste test. Cheers. 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 Mine's tasty. Oh, no. Not so much? No? No. I mean, look, hang on. We try, try it again. I mean, it's not bad. It could be the champagne. I need it Prosecco. Shall I? <laughs> to me, it's good. I'm going to have to give it out of five stars. You know, I didn't know this would be so, you know, yeah. pressurized. I'm about to give it a three. I think it's the champagne. It's the champagne. Yeah. Let me see. I feel like I should eat the cinnamon after a drink. Well, you can if you choose. I mean, whatever. Like sour. A little bit sour. sour. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is yours not sour? No. (laughs) So you're you're not offended by the three? I wouldn't even rate it at a three. (laughs) I'm sorry. I will choose Prosecco next time, not the brute. So are we... Should I redo it? No, 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 we're good. But are we still going to um, put the recipes on? Yeah, we can the put website? the recipes on. Not mm-hmm. this one, but... 
Maybe Again, no, it we can, can be made with Prosecco. We can put the... Mother. So how would you rate it? Probably three. Okay. What about you? Yeah. Two. Oh. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So I want to start off with a video on this case. Um, and, I mean, there's like, you know, all the cases, there's some that just make you... Yeah, that was Elena doing her... <laughs> My drinks. Drinks. <laughs> straw sound on our podcast but um a lot of them i mean it's a weird deal like some of them just really make you mad yeah and it's ridiculous but like we do for all of our seasons because you know we have the mini series but the seasons are for dissecting it getting the outline of the murder and then providing helpful tips and so this one's full of it not full of it (laughs) full of great things to not do um, so I want to start off with the, the video. And the video will be on our site, too. Uh, well, our... they should all be in the show notes. Okay. I always put those okay. in the show notes of the podcast. So hang on one second. Let me start it. It's exclusive. A Weight Watchers executive brutally beaten and strangled to death in her apartment in Astoria. The prime suspect, an Ivy League graduate and Wall Street attorney. Tonight... Troy Roberts has never before heard recordings from the night of the murder and the story behind the suspect's unusual defense. It was early summer 2012 in a Queens apartment where police found the battered body of a young woman in the bathtub. 27-year-old Danielle Thomas was a successful executive with Weight Watchers. Detectives arrested Daniel's boyfriend, Jason Bond, a Wall Street attorney, and charged him with murder. There is no hiding this crime. Jason admits to killing Danielle, says his lawyer, Todd Greenberg, but he's not a cold-blooded killer. There is no doubt that he is suffering from a mental illness. At the age of nine, his own mother abandoned him. That leaves a psychological mark. Forensic psychiatrist Dr. Alexander Sasha Bardet says Jason's traumatic childhood led him to snap, lose control, and kill the woman he loved. Based on mental illness, I believe that Jason Bond should not be held responsible for murder. It's absolutely ridiculous to believe that because his mommy didn't treat him necessarily as well as she should have, that somehow, 15 years later, he's not responsible for the torturing murder of his girlfriend. What's more, prosecutors say, they had startling evidence proving Jason was not in the throes of a mental illness when he brutally beat Daniel Thomas to death. He was caught virtually red-handed. We had a tape of him killing her. At sentencing last month, Jason Bond sobbed uncontrollably as he apologized to Danielle's mother and grandmother. His attorney asked the court to consider Jason's terrible childhood, the root of his mental illness, but the judge was unmoved. Bond was sentenced to life without parole, Dana. More to see, Troy. Excellent. Yeah, I'm unmoved also. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into the the whole background and, and things like that that they were trying to say, you know, that that's why he killed her as mommy issues but the reason this one impacted me and i wanted to do it this is a case of jason bond uh is i watched it on american monster and the victim's christian faith is what um she kept going to on staying with him ah 
Oh. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, for her, it's like loving, um, helping someone, changing even someone, which that's impossible, you know, to do. And, and so, you know, obviously we're all of the Christian faith. And I find that a lot of times Christians are very naive and they don't recognize danger when it's literally staring them in the face. But I also believe it shows it, how important it is to make sure that your self-esteem and how you value yourself is is healthy because a lot of times, and I might offend people, but like when I do mentoring work, I always tell people that are in relationships where they're trying to help someone or they're trying to, you know, um, change somebody, whether it's a spouse or a friend or even a child, uh, and, and they can't let it go or they keep getting abused, it's, I let them know eventually that, okay, now you're into your ego because you're getting, you're thinking that you have the power to change this person into what you see they're supposed to be. And that's feeding something in you that has nothing to do with that person. And, uh, and so a lot of times the people that get themselves caught in this are people that are nurturing, compassionate, uh, you know, very, uh, caring individuals. And so for them caring for others and abandoning others is very hard. And so they will avoid that because they don't want to feel like a bad person or they let someone down or whatever it is. So I always tell people your love has to begin. If you're, you know, a Christian, your love begins with God, then yourself, then others. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have it in that order, then you're going to love someone more than you do yourself. And you might find yourself in this victim's uh, situation. Her name is Daniel Thomas. Um, So I don't know. I've heard a lot of women say they tried to change someone to make them better. Women have a tendency to think that way to change, you know, their clothing, how they think, their jobs, the man's. So yeah some of them i also feel that it's in us to want to serve Mm -hmm. and i feel like a lot of people do it to serve as well without recognizing that if that makes sense well yeah and people need to understand you like if your core value is to be a servant that means that you get something out of it too you know see a lot of people Mm. they don't realize that you know it's like and there's nothing wrong with that, actually. Right. Uh, where the problem is, is where it becomes damaging. I mean, you have King David, before he was king, that knew not to stay around because Saul was trying to kill him, right? So he had yeah. enough sense yeah. to get away. And then you also see the dynamic that we're going to see in this case where he kept trying to reason with Saul. He kept trying to prove to him that he was not doing what he thought he was doing, uh-huh. and he wouldn't listen. And so that's that's what I mean is, you know, you've got to recognize it's kind of like, you know, Coach Greg, the uh, peer that I do the Art of Change podcast. He said, if I call my dog once and my dog doesn't respond and then I do it again and that dog still doesn't come at my command, then at that point, I know that dog has heard me and just doesn't want to do what I'm saying. Made a choice. So to him, it's, you know, right. if you say something to someone and you have to keep repeating yourself, you're now in, like you said, the choice situation and If you're getting a sense of fulfillment or an emotional tie where you can't get out, then the question to ask is, okay, what in me keeps Mm -hmm. thinking that this is okay 
and that after all these talks that anything's going to change at this point. Yeah. And uh, and I wish that's what she would have done. The other thing that I want people to understand uh, from this episode is there are evil people. You know, there's people out there that they have no um, empathy. They have no conscience. They and they're rage filled. And uh, another thing I'm seeing in the cases we've done is the rage is unbelievable. And, and it doesn't matter if it's a serial killer or if it's a case like this, the rage is always there. And so people need to understand that there are some people they enjoy hurting other people. And I think this is what we're dealing with here actually. So let me give you a little bit of, um, background so this t- uh, takes place in New York City, and it's uh, we get a picture of the couple. So that's Jason, and then this is Danielle. Wow! And um, they uh, they were a pretty cute couple. I mean, I think she's so cute looking. She had her favorite little dog um, that was with her everywhere. It looks like a Yorkie, huh? It mm-hmm. does. Yeah, they look awful happy, don't they? Yeah. I don't know about that one. She does. She does, but he... But that one's amazing. That's like a... I never would have even guessed on that picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's... Looks like they're out for the evening. He's got a suit and tie. And, you know, he was a Wall Street lawyer. So it's not like he was... I know you Wall know, Street. I mean, you think... You don't know. You never You never know. know. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like those combos may be just brute, like a, a narcissist, just <laughs> like... Perfect storm? Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, he looks real happy here, and that was at the beginning of the relationship, and uh, so was the one where they were big Gators fans in Florida, uh, and in fact, if I'm not mistaken, that's where they met, uh, but she um, was from a really tight-knit family, from what I could tell in my research especially with her mother. Mm. Her mother's name was Jamie Bright, and then she was also close to her grandmother, Juanita Hardgrove. Uh, Bright said that Danielle was fearless. She just loved life. She was adventurous. Um, She liked uh, skydiving, swimming with sharks, bungee uh, jumping. I mean, you know, she's a very independent woman. Uh, Her grandmother... How old was she? 27. 27? Yeah. And then her grandma, she called her Nana... Uh, so that when Danielle was little, she'd always tell her, shoot for the stars. And then Danielle would always say, I'll do that, Nana. So, you know, she just had like a real healthy relationship with her family. And so this is a graduation. And then um, this is another of her, uh, you know, just to me, she's just so pretty. Yeah. Yeah. She's always smiling. Yeah. And then now uh, she graduated from the University of Florida, which that's for the Gators, you know, fans. That's why um, she loved that football team, college football. And then she also uh, got an MBA from the university and she was working as a revenue uh, analyst at Disney World uh, in Florida. And she was very independent. She was very successful. So, and again, that shows you, this case shows how you can have all of the external things and there be things inside you. Like we always tell people, your internal determines your external. And so you can have all the things on the outside that look great, but on the inside, it it's you know it either makes you vulnerable to danger or you can be a killer like he is, you know, mm-hmm. and no one would ever know. Wow. 
Um, she had boyfriends, but she was looking for someone that was intelligent and successful as well. Uh, she'd always tell her mom, uh, mom always married the nerd. So, you know, she didn't want the, you know, was like, he a nerd? He probably, like I it. mean, he looks like one, but, um, successful and intelligent attorney, mm-hmm. um, wall street, right. And then they had the, in common, the gators thing and the Florida thing, because he would go back down there and visit. And so, you know, right off the bat, there's a lot of common ground. And we'll see some typical, um, you know, red flags, and then some maybe not as much. Uh, But John's history is a little bit more complicated, and I will want to dive into that because as you heard on the video, they're like, well, you know, his mommy was mean or abandoned him, and that's why he killed her. And so what happened to him was actually terrible, but I have heard what has happened to other people that's way worse right. that don't end up killing Absolutely. their girlfriends. You and so, take responsibility. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I can't ridiculous. believe they use that defense. Oh, I can. I can. I mean, you looking at lawyers that do that on TV, I'm like, even I can see that from here. Mm-hmm. Look at the one local, um, the young man who killed um, almost an entire family with his vehicle. Mm. Oh, yeah. What was his name? I don't know. Yeah. So uh, his, um, he was a University of Florida student. He also graduated from Columbia University, which is in New York City. I wanted to go there when I was a teenager. Um, So I I think he went to Florida first and then went to Columbia for law school. Uh, I'm not sure, but he was very successful on Wall Street. Uh, His dad was not in his life at that time. His mother, Maureen O'Connell, Uh, is or she was at the time, I don't know what she's doing nowadays, the chief financial officer at Scholastic. And if I'm not mistaken, she's a millionaire. So she was very successful, very strong woman, very intelligent woman. And her role is complicated. So we'll get into that as well. Now, Daniel met Bond in 2011 while he was vacationing in Florida. And they meet at a football game tailgating party. And, uh, and I don't know if this is like the first picture of them at the, the game or if this was later on, but the, he was intense. He was definitely, huh? I'm going to say later on because I hope so. I wouldn't have him put his arm around me. Some like, people like don't know. That. Some, I know. Remember, it, we've talked always, about that. Yeah. Yes. It's very interesting with people that are uh, killers where they will literally have their arm around the person's neck and pictures or their hand. You know, yeah. I mean, Not it's that crazy. All are, but right. we have found a common. Not saying here. if your husband does that, it's a red flag, <laughs> right. but I might sleep with one eye open. I don't know. Um, so he was intense from the start. Uh, he seemed to be someone shooting for the stars as well. So she uh, liked his intelligence, she liked his ambition. Uh, her mother says that she believes a friend introduced them, and it was a whirlwind romance. Red flag mm-hmm. number one. Mm-hmm. Now, again, it's not always, you know, just a few months of dating in uh, whirlwind romance isn't always a sign, but I cannot think of a single case we've done mm-hmm. where there wasn't uh, a really fast pace. In fact, uh, it might have been last year's episode when we looked at the signs, red flags of potential abusers. One of them was the love bombing and the, the whirlwind romance. Yeah. 
So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with slowing things down. And at the very least, I've met people that had that type of romance and it didn't last. Like it ended up disastrously. Yeah, I know a few too. But didn't we learn that Gigi and... My mother-in-law only dated, what, like a couple weeks and they were married? Or 21 I, days yeah. and got married. Did you not know that all these no years? no idea. And they was were married. Was it 21 days at all? Did yeah. it go that far? Yeah. Yes. I thought it was just. It was 21 days. And then they were married <laughs> 40 plus years. Yeah. You know? So it's yeah. not everybody, but right. that is a common It's definitely a sign. You know, yeah. it, and it's not only the um, predator. I also think it's the victim. Um, often as well because of the identity, the self-worth, et cetera. They're trying to get someone quick. And I think anyone, even people with high self-esteem, would feel flattered someone just pouring love into them, you know? Yep. And uh, me, I'd probably be suspicious because that's just naturally who I am. (laughs) But, you know, a lot of people, even if they're successful and confident, they would, you know. Fall for that. They'd like that. Yeah. Uh, now, Danielle had paid for her family to go on a Disney cruise with her and Bond. And so Bright, her mother, said that he treated Danielle very well. He always called her his princess. Mm. Never oh, took that's his, interesting. Never took his eyes off her, and they seemed in love. Okay, mm. for me, I see a little bit of some danger there. Absolutely. So the possessiveness... You know, he could call her princess. Uh Why his princess? Uh Uh, And then also never took his eyes off Mm, her. That's suspect. Yes, it is. And I I just had to tell a couple this week. uh, Well, actually the husband, because when he married his wife, she was his entire world. And Mm. I said, no one can live under that. And you need to have outside interests. You need to have an outside group of friends, if possible, like your Bible study friends or whatever. And she cannot be... 100% all the time, just you. And, uh, and he recognized that, but it's the possessiveness like that to me is danger. Yeah. Potential danger. And for the spouse that you were talking about, that's also so difficult on the spouse and impossible to live up to. Yeah. That's why I told him, I said the pressure that she feels. And I told him, I said, when my kiddos were uh, dating I told him, uh, told Kent, I said, you got to make sure that y'all, y'all have your own interests. You have your own pursuits and your own set of friends and have that time apart. And they do that to this day. And it's just very healthy. Yeah. She was probably flattered by the love bombing. Yeah. You and, don't well, see anything. And see, that's how I interpret the his princess, the yeah. never taking his eyes off her. Exactly. To me, it's love bombing. And I bet you that was involved. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and honestly, especially being a young girl and having a man just have all eyes for you, of course, Mm -hmm. you're going to be flattered and like swept up in in it. Yeah. After five months, because they met in March 2012, Danielle and her beloved dog moved from Florida to New York City and they moved in with them. Five months. Five months. Yeah. That's another thing. So she just left her career. Yeah. So she had um, gotten a new position as an executive at Weight Watchers. So she transferred or got that new job, moved to uh, New York City, and they had an apartment in Astoria, Queens, which is a very nice uh, area. Mm, So again, you know, he makes good money. He lives in a nice house, a nice neighborhood. Uh, Things were wonderful. They were discussing marriage as well. But Danielle's mom, you know, she wanted some assurances. Like it was probably like any mom, it was moving way too fast. 
And uh, she was very excited because they had scheduled a trip. So Danielle and Jason had scheduled a trip to go to Greenwich, Connecticut. I think it's Connecticut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To meet Bond's mother. And she even bought a new dress for it. You know, like she was super, super excited. She wanted to make a good impression, you know, because this is a lady that's very well-to-do, very accomplished. And at the last minute, Danielle informed her the trip was off. Um, all she said was, we're not going. That's it. So she wouldn't go into any details. Which is unusual. Oh, yeah. Wonder what was told or happened. I know. And see, that's the thing, like, and that's why we do these cases. Like, if you look back mm-hmm. and you've got even an inkling of concern, then if your child is saying it's just canceled or what, and they're not opening up to yeah, you closed off, probably need to get them to open up. Yeah. I would ask pointed questions. How are things with your relationship? Is he abusing you? You know what I mean? Like I would, yeah. definitely ask questions, even if it may sound ridiculous because that's just a weird thing. Everybody's excited. And then all of a sudden we're not going and it's just cut off and you can't discuss it. That would be something I'd be. Yeah. Because she was close to her mother and you don't have to like, go into all specific details like yeah. I'm, I'm saying ask questions like are you okay are you safe yeah yeah are you exactly. physically safe yeah is there anything mental or emotional going on that way she knows who knows she might have broken down then and told her mom what was happening or if she's you know her faith she loves this man. She may have just covered for him. Yeah. Which when we do the Gabby Petito, you'll see she covered. She covered mm. for him. This one probably covered too. I'm wondering. Uh, okay. For so, a while. you know, I showed you pictures of her and her little dog. Um, that was her best <laughs> friend. Okay. So Detective Dennis Frawley of the NYPD uh, was sent to investigate a tip on June 23rd, 2012. They didn't have a lot of information to go on, but someone had called for concern of people who lived in Danielle and Bond's apartment. When police entered the apartment by the open door, they found a terrible crime scene. Uh, The cops stopped, called in the detectives, and Detective Frawley was one of them. And he said the first thing he noticed when he walked into the apartment was how clean it was. Hmm. Just, I mean, clean. And then they told him to go to the bathroom. And so at first he thought it might be an... Okay, so we had to have a little pause there. Mom's hubby came home. Uh, Okay, so a very clean apartment and you were talking about maybe manic or OCD. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I personally, I mean, he might have been. It wouldn't surprise me because he's a very controlling person as well. So he might have liked a certain environment. Uh, And it seemed like it was very chaotic as a child, but he's also cleaning up a crime scene. I was going to say, or is it him cleaning up a Mm -hmm. crime scene? The whole thing is going to be confusing at first, Uh though. It doesn't make sense what all he did. In fact, I still haven't figured out all of it. 
Okay, so again, they thought, like when they went into the bathtub or bathroom, they saw a body in the bathtub, and at first they thought it was an accident that maybe she had fallen because uh, there was uh, water in the, the tub, and, you know, it just looked like maybe, you know, she was home alone and hit her head. But then they noticed all the terrible injuries on her head. Um, her dog was there guarding her body, and so mm. they had to remove the dog. Um, and then a closer examination revealed several empty ice bags that were at her feet that were next to the drain. And then on top of the toilet, uh, there was a large fan on. Okay. And then the window was open and there was a breeze blowing in. So she'd probably been dead a while. Yeah. He was Keep trying cold. to, he was probably trying to create an alibi by like, you know, she was killed at this time, not... Mm-hmm. Not very smart with ice bags. Yeah. Uh, I know. But, but I don't know, because he made several weird decisions, so I'm not sure if that was even in his thinking, but that... Or, in case, or the police could have come before he got to finish everything. Maybe. Maybe he left, to, I don't know, huh. to get an alibi and then come back and they were there. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But the ice bags being right. at the feet... You know, maybe he is an idiot and he just got, you know, through law school by, I don't know. No, I think cheating. mom maybe maybe has a good idea. I mean, we'll see further on what else, where his whereabouts were, everything, all that. But yeah. maybe a, a good um, explanation. Okay, so they um, saw that all the ice had melted and drained out of the bags. And they mm. felt it was an attempt to preserve the body. He didn't, uh, the detective wasn't sure if it was to change the time of death or some other motive, but in, especially later with some of the decisions he made, it's just really weird, but they did know someone had been murdered, was in the bathtub, and then someone tried to preserve her body. Uh, later, one thought he had, Detective Frawley, was that maybe he was trying to prevent the smell of death because it's an apartment. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, and he wanted to go on the run. Mm -hmm. Yep, and so keep her cold, and then he'd have time to get away. Um, There were no signs of forced entry into the apartment. They said it was brutal, and it was vicious. And the fans and the ice threw off the crime scene by about 12 hours. But something was bothering Detective Frawley, and he couldn't put his finger on it until he remembered that Danielle Thompson had been in the NYPD uh, weeks before, and he was the one that spoke to her. So was oh. that around the time that the trip was canceled, or is this much further? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Well, I thought so. Very good. <laughs> I wonder if that could be why. I mean, I would assume he was beating... I mean, I know he was beating her, but I would assume that maybe he did beat her, and they had to call off the the trip. I was thinking maybe the mom just changed her mind, because that's the type of person oh, okay. she, was she was, too. She's odd, but yeah. it could have been... Yeah, but I would, I mean, just thinking um, with that, with the relationship that the mom and the daughter had, that that definitely would have been told, I think. I don't know. I have found in a lot of the, especially physical abuse, that they will protect the man. They don't want the and family to not I mean like the mom, him. like talking oh. about the mom to oh. the mom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably. Maybe. And she could be embarrassed. A lot of women Well, I mean, if she was a sweet person and didn't talk ill of people, she may not have. Right. Yeah. But because she, she seemed like very, very sweet. So people just talk to your mom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least your mom, Someone. a sibling, yeah. a good friend. Yeah. And you need to no give them the what. freedom 
to talk, right? But also you need to give the one that's listening the freedom to be like, you know what? I think you're in danger. Yeah. And we probably need to take some steps to get you safe. And do not dismiss it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the abuse, I want, I couldn't find the audio of the 911 call that Detective Frawley was talking about, but he was the detective that sat across from her and was trying to get her away from him. Oh. And uh, so the 911 operator, operator 2277, where is the emergency? As Charette Corsi said, there's an altercation going on next door to me where the guy seems to be forcibly holding this girl from li- leaving. And then I saw her run out of the door. Corsi told Roberts, and then he kind of chased her and grabbed her back into the apartment. So Roberts is an operator. Did she say anything as he was pulling her back inside the apartment? Roberts asked. No, she was just screaming, Corsi replied. Unfortunately, they didn't know where she was. They didn't know what apartment. They didn't know. I don't know if they didn't ask that question. I don't know if the person that called knew or didn't know. But they they could not find Danielle. And uh, so two weeks later, she showed up at Detective Frawley's desk. Um, and she had two black eyes and several wounds all over her still two weeks yeah, later. Yeah, because that definitely looks old. Yeah. So it oh, was, they weren't fresh. Awful. What's amazing is that much time had passed and she still had the black eyes. Yeah. I wonder why she didn't go sooner. Was he holding her? Well, that's the question we all ask. Yeah. Why do people stay in relationships where they're getting beaten? You know? But I mean, she went finally to the police. Finally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so she told the detective what happened. She said that Bond had beaten her up that night that the neighbor had called 911, which, again, I don't know why the cops couldn't find her if it was a neighbor. So that's a little bit frustrating for me, but I think she was so determined to be with him or did not recognize her life was in danger that I'm not sure anybody could have saved her. Um, But while she's sitting there, okay, so this is the type of poop bird this Jason guy is. She's sitting at the detective's desk, he calls her, Bond calls her, she puts it on speakerphone, and he said, I'm going to make your life impossible. I'm going to hunt you down like a dog in the streets. Wow. In yeah. front of the detective. Well, yeah. he That's didn't know, of course. That's a red flag yeah. when yeah. you were being referred to as a dog. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to hunt you. Like, yeah. People think that people say things when they're angry, and sometimes they do. But from what I was able to find out about this case, he was chillingly calm. When people say things angry, it's like when they're drunk, though. There's yeah. a little truth absolutely, to what they're yeah. saying. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So they arrested Bond. So even though it was two weeks later, they went ahead and arrested Lovely. him. They charged him with assault, but Danielle eventually refused to cooperate <sighs> with prosecutors. She loved him and believed that she could change him based on her Christian faith. Hmm. And she didn't want to give up on someone God loved and she loved. Wow. Here's the thing. You can love from afar and you can pray. Pray for that individual. I wonder if she was scared too, though, a little bit. Probably. Probably so. But her main uh, motivation, they said, was she really did love him. And uh, she thought that God could, you know, change. But, you know, see, that's another pet peeve I have you know, again, as a Christian is, you know, God, he is all powerful. Absolutely. He can do wonderful things, but he will never violate the will of the person. No, And so that's not in his hands. 
that's in the person's hands that needs to change and for them to recognize what God is doing in their life, recognize what the people that love them are saying, and then they can start making different choices and get to the root of their dysfunction, right? Well, for some reason, people think that, you know, I mean, I've seen it over and over where people would let someone stay in their home because they're a Christian and this person's a Christian. They let them stay in their home and then they would rob them or eat them of all of their, you know, eat them out of house and home or sow division into their relationships. Yeah. I mean, I've seen entire groups disintegrate because of that kind of stuff. So Christians just quite frankly need to wise up and not think that because you walk away from a codependent or dangerous situation that you're, you know, sinning in some way or that you're not doing God's will. Because again, you see over and over, even Jesus would stay out of a region Yep. Because if he went there, they'd probably get him. Yep. So he would stay in specific regions and hide. Other times he would just walk through the crowds. Right. You know, but it it's wisdom to know and to recognize. And unfortunately she didn't she didn't know. So they were still trying to help her. They were trying to convince her, you got to do something. I mean, Meaning they knew. the police? Yep. They knew she was in danger. And was, was she still working at this time? Did he mm-hmm. alienate her from no, she was still her working. family and job? And- he might have alienated her from her family a little bit. I'm kind of wondering. I don't know that for a fact, but that's usually the MO. Mm-hmm. They did get her an order of protection, a restraining order, uh, but they found it a few feet from her body along with a bouquet of flowers and a handwritten note from her uh, poop bird boyfriend. Well, I just don't Do think you know what it said? Worth yeah. The, uh, one of the notes the says, they're written on. Danny, I will love you forever, Jay. Really? So afterwards. Wow. You kill her. Afterwards. I, I will love you forever. In other words, no one else is going to have you. Right. Yeah. And the restraining order, now that's interesting because they aren't very effective, it appears. They're, it's kind of like this. They're only effective if the person you're dealing with is sane. Right. If the person yeah. you're dealing with is determined to kill a person, that will actually be the trigger. Yeah. Because it's when you get the restraining order and you leave, 70 to 80% chance you'll get killed it makes if you're angry. with an abusive person. Yeah. However, it, it's still a good tool. It's still a good option. And, there, you know, maybe some more steps, maybe some more safety measures. I would say what they need to do, if anyone's in trouble, they need to follow um, what the Dirty John lady did. She had a lawyer, she had a place, she had living arrangements, she had money, and she kept everything quiet. Now, he still went after her uh, daughter, but he couldn't find her. He couldn't get her. So, well, real- some people don't have the funds for that, or they, you know, yeah, I know. I, I, restraining orders is just a piece of paper. Yeah. I mean, one thing it will do is it will get it on their record, but people just need to know if you get the restraining order when you're leaving, that is the most dangerous time. You just have to know that. So a thought, if I'm not mistaken, if you get a restraining order and obviously like from my understanding, you have a restraining order and that individual um, kind of plays with their prey at that point and typically doesn't write off attack. immediately sometimes yeah so be persistent and consistent and call the police each each time yep absolutely because what we see happen is a lot of times they dismiss the violation of the order because quite frankly i'm sure they don't want to deal with this they don't want to deal with all this crap. Yeah. You know, their life is turned upside down. They've got this psycho that's stalking them. Yeah. And in the 80s, they didn't have stalking laws. 
Now they do. Yeah. I remember people were getting killed. Like that one actress member shot in her apartment yeah, in the doorway. She was on, uh, was it? What was I don't it? remember oh, what it was. My sister Sam. Yeah. Yeah. I loved that show. I forgot her name. But, but yeah, yeah, you've got to be consistent. Record yeah. conversations, keep pictures of texts, call the police. Uh, if you can in any way, live in different locations. Don't stay in one place. So it's just, it's like you're trying to extract yourself from a spider web. Yeah. And every time you turn around, you keep getting stuck. So it's it's a, a tough deal. Yeah, because um, crazy people, no matter what you do, they're going to... But Unless they're dead. Here's the deal. Or you are. She had family she could have gone to. Maybe so, she didn't want to put them in danger. You, you gotta, I don't think she you, wanted to leave. I don't think she wanted to leave either. And you've got to you've got to have a support system. You cannot say, "Well, I don't want to bring this danger to their door," which I've heard of that happening. Yeah, I've I heard of too. people you know killing entire families that way. But I can almost guarantee your family would be willing to put the risk in place Absolutely. to get you safe. And just one more thing about protecting yourself with the restraining order, continuing to take s- steps to protect yourself. Um, do some uh, self-defense classes. Yeah. Yeah. Get get educated in that aspect. Just protect yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, you know, learn how to shoot a weapon yes. if that's possible. Uh, some self-defense courses. Yeah. Um, but for sure, don't do some of the decisions that Danielle did. Okay. Okay. Because... She actually put herself in that danger, unfortunately. Um, Okay, now this all happens. And then in the meantime, Danielle had been sleeping like in hotels or with friends. But she eventually ended up at Bonds on June 23rd. And she suggested they go have drinks with Jason and his work friends at a bar close to New, uh, New York's famous Times Square. Okay, Here's another thing. Yeah. Don't put alcohol in the mix. Right. Number one, don't show up back at the place. Nothing has changed from the time you left mm. until you show back up. But dang sure, don't get alcohol involved no. because some people will be mean drunks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now you've got a, a powder keg. So I don't know what she was thinking, why she would suggest that or maybe she thought that if they were with friends and then she would just leave after the bar that they'd be safe but no why even go there why even meet them why get in touch so i'm not sure why she did that i thought he had got in touch with her Mm -mm. to discuss the breakup Mm -mm. no no so so uh the night wore on and of course they started arguing because again you mix alcohol with Mm -hmm. anger danielle did tell one of his friends at that night at the bar that he was abusing her. And so the friend, she urged Danielle to spend the night at the hotel again. said, like, don't go home. Um, but Danielle remembered that Bond had threatened to kill her dog. Oh, no. So she went home to get her dog. Oh, mm-hmm. the dog was there. Mm-hmm. Manipulation for sure. She went home to get him. So she entered the apartment at 2.15. 16 minutes later, she dialed 911. But it was a butt dial. They couldn't track it? Mm-mm. Uh, the operator said, no, actually, the second call was dial? the butt dial. The first, she did call 911. Ma'am, where's the emergency? And then you hear Danielle uh, sobbing, and she said, please just let me leave. Just let me. Just let me. And then the police failed to respond. Yeah, because um, you can trace that stuff. Yeah. 
I've accidentally called 911 and they've called me back. It yeah. only happened once. I'm not yeah. sure if they can on cell phones. Yeah. Um, well, I was on my cell phone. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because, I, I mean, they can call you back, yeah. but your location, they'd have to ping it. Yeah. You yeah. know, so that can get a little bit interesting, maybe. If you could get there. And time, this was like, 2012. Yeah. And then her body was found the next day. Oh, oh her body was found the next day. Yeah. But it gets mm-hmm. even crazier. So I think so we're going to. At that point, how long have they been together? Well, only From five months when she moved. Months? So I'm sure less than a year. Wow. Yeah, because. Uh, Let's see. I'm not sure if I have the date in here. Oh, June. So she moved there in March. So three months. Three months. Dying. Three months later, and she was gone. Mm -hmm. Yep. So let's um, finish this one up here, uh, and then we'll do a part two. Now, we had an issue. What issue? Last year on our season two and as well as our mini series <laughs> what are you looking uh, at me i'm not you because yes, i wasn't here remembering what we say at the end our slogan which i was trying to get a refresher before we started i still don't know all right I so what's yours been a year be safe no <laughs> that's don't a, be that's a victim a, that's what i always say be safe first don't be a victim Stay safe. Don't be nice. <laughs> just safe. You know, just just safe, okay? Don't be a victim is one, I think. How many years? It's <laughs> the third. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't be a victim, for sure. Be smart. Don't be a victim. Stay safe. Can't I take that one? Stay no. safe. This is ridiculous. Okay, stay- I got mine. I got mine. Stay- be smart. Be rude. Ah, don't be a victim. You should know that. Yeah, mother. we're done. This is over. Part <laughs> two is coming up. Victim. No, we're not talking. Well, it could have been out of order. It doesn't no. make a difference. Really. Yes, it does. I I end the podcast. Right. I'm the host. I end the podcast with don't be a victim. It's be rude. Be smart. Be rude. And don't be a victim. Outline of a Murder is a Mr. Joseph production. What do you think, Joseph? Ah!